Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Music Allies podcast. This episode is um, a really useful one for anyone who's looking at trying to get into the Chinese music market. In China, the music industry works differently. Music fans quickly and in the tens of millions adopt new technologies, new ways of supporting artists or new ways of consuming music. And the audience seeks a different experience from those artists who are often hybrid stars, equally at home as actors, TV personalities or models. And what happens in China is a good indicator of what might happen soon around the globe. It's also a tricky market to fully understand without some context. So we invited experts from Kanjian, the Chinese music services company, who's also a partner for Music Ally China, to join us uh, on the Music Ally TV show to help us understand the business and the cultural differences. So uh, the show that follows now uh, features uh, Kanjian's VP of International Business, Tinko Georgiev, uh, international Marketing Manager Jane Porubotko and International Business Specialist Yutong Situ. And they explained how in China, artist branding um, and how building a long-term diversified approach is essential for success. They also explained what artists from outside of China must do to properly break into the market and engage with the people there. It's a really good show and, as I said, incredibly useful for anyone looking to engage with China. So here we go. Let's introduce the panel first. Uh, we have uh, Kanjan's VP of International Business, Tinko Georgiev. Hi, Tinko. How are you? Hey, Jim. Very well indeed. Thanks. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, everyone is everyone is in Shanghai, by the way. And uh, we should note that uh, it is 8 p.m. on a Friday night in Shanghai. And uh, that is, for, for me, is the, the biggest sacrifice anybody has made so far uh, to join the show. And we did have someone getting up at 6 a.m. in Los Angeles to join it. So uh, this is going beyond my expectations. Thank you all for doing this. We also have uh, Jane, uh, Jane Polobotko, uh, International Marketing Manager. Hi, Jane. Uh, hi, thank you for having us today. Uh, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, Yutong Situ, uh, International Business Specialist. Hi, Yutong. Hi, thank you very much for having us. No, no, pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, now, accompanying them, as always, is a regular guest, Hen Heimdahl, a Market Development Coordinator for Europe and the UK at CD Baby. Hi, Hen. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm uh, very, all the better to see you, Hen, of course. And uh, last, I was going to say last, but by no means least, um, Patrick, Patrick Ross, uh, SVP of Digital Strategy at Music Ally. Thank you for joining us, Patrick. Joe, yeah, thank you for having me back on the show once again. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. Now, um, we are going to split the panel in a couple of ways today. I'll explain how. Uh, we're going to hear about um, uh, uh, Tinko, Jane, and Yutong's understanding of the Chinese market and their experience. And then Patrick and Hen in London are going to talk about it from perhaps that perspective. How, can, how do they think that people can help integrate with the Chinese industry from the parts of the world, and what can they learn from that industry? Uh, before we do that and start the panel, Patrick, for those people who don't know, let's say they're joining and they just don't know, what uh, does Music Ally do? And can you tell me more about the Sandbox Summit Global on the 21st to the 25th of September? Yes, Joe, I, I can certainly do that. Well, as hopefully most people know out there, Music Ally is a knowledge company. Um, hopefully you're getting our daily news and our Sandbox reports. Um, of course, we have our wonderful partners in uh, China here with us today, so we've got a bit of global reach as well. Um, part of that global reach, pulling it all together, uh, we're going to be having our Sandbox Summit Global Conference. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't be doing that in physical location given the current world climate, 
however, that's really opened the doors for us to have a wonderful, wonderful uh, group of panelists and guests that are going to be coming to speak. Uh, Sandbox Summit Global, you can see it in the chat right there. Uh, please come and join us. It is free to attend. It's a five-day event, just two hours each day. So it'll be the best two hours of your day that week, September 21st to 25th. Thank you very much. Uh, with some uh, really high-profile international guests as well, uh, definitely worth uh, joining in with that uh, when you can. So uh, let's see. I'll, I'll also I've sort of half shared it, but I'll share properly now uh, Kanjan's uh, one-page uh, document on China in the chat as well. Okay, so let's get started. Um, now, uh, when we were setting up this show, I had a conversation with Tinko before this started, and he said that, and this was a really um, I think revealing idea was the idea behind this whole show. He said that. What's most important as a starting point is a contextual overview and understanding of the market itself. I was asking all sorts of complicated questions about new, uh, uh, about new apps and new approaches to work. And he said, well, actually, we can talk about that, but it needs to be within this context. And so we've built this show to be a, a sort of uh, an, a contextual understanding, but also talking about opportunities at the same time. So um, uh, what we, are, like I said, uh, Tinko, Jane, and Yutong, they're going to be giving us the contextual overview with thoughts, analysis, and experiences of the Chinese market. And Hen and Patrick uh, are going to be helping us sort of translate it into um, the, the localized markets that they are in and looking for opportunities. So uh, let's start with uh, Tinko, Yutong, and Jane. Um, I want to ask you a few simple questions to get some um, contextual understanding of perspective and learnings on the industry itself. Let's start with uh, Tinko. This is your idea, so you should go first. Uh, <laughs> what, when you try and explain an overview of the, of the China music industry to people, what kind of learnings do you describe to them? What do you say, this is what, this is what I notice and what I learned from working here? For me, the biggest, um, the biggest um, change in perspective when I arrived at um, Kanjian in, um, in Shanghai was that um, that understanding that in China, things are revolving more around a business opportunity rather than fragmented copyrights. Without going into too many details, um, the idea is that in, the, in, in China, the, the music business, especially at the... Um, at the top level is uh, consolidated in the sense that the artists control uh, full spectrum of their rights in pretty much most of the cases, and uh, and uh, the, the, there's a very they are the decision maker or there's uh, one or two decision makers tops, and opportunities opportunities can be realized very very quickly. That for me is the the biggest takeaway and the the, the first thing when it comes to to um, you mentioned you said learning process it's not really as much learning as uh, as understanding process and, and this is something which we've seen actually when we look at the, the chinese music market we see the rapid pace of development there and this is down to you're saying this this inherent uh, cultural and business approach to just moving things forward correct yes yeah. uh, if if um if anyone out there by the way while you're watching if if anything we're talking about sparks a really good question you want to put a question to the panel please hit the q a button uh, at the bottom of your screen and your question will go straight to patrick 
uh, and Kush, who is uh, secretly off screen uh, going through everything. And uh, we will bring all the good questions and put them to Tinko, Jane, and Yutong. And, and you can get answers right from the experts in Shanghai. Uh, so please do ask questions and we will answer all of them uh, as long as we have time to. Uh, so thanks, Tinko. That's a, that's a really good starting point. Um, Jane, what about you? you you've well, how long, you know, what have you learned while you've been there? What, what have you learned about the industry? Um, I think um, something that I want to say and Tinko started to bringing up is definitely the speed. And it's definitely not only about music industry, but in general, China development itself. But uh, here, when you see it from within the country, how things are happening, uh, I think it's really fascinating, especially the... Um, the speed of decision making, for example, um, the the way people communicate within the workspace that would be like not emails, but you know, short WeChat messages. Um, so yeah, I think the speed is like the first thing that you know. I was like, wow, that's 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 moving pretty fast. And, and when you when you experience that speed of of everything, not just the the, the business moving, but just communication, everything. Once you overcome that initial sort of surprise of, of, of change, do you, how does that benefit uh, you as someone working in that industry? Um, I think that you learn uh, how to adjust to things that you like don't expect or to things that you have to react quickly as a, as a professional, as a marketer, as a uh, like music industry professional. Um, so yeah, I think. That would great. be my answer. Great, great. And what about you, Tung? What What have you? What, what's your sort of big, one big impression of the industry? Yes. Um, before I work, work, start moving back to Shanghai and uh, work in Kanjiang, I work in, in, in Wonder Music Asia in Hong Kong, and I work on the international repertoire in the international markets. So it's kind of uh, the West and the, the East. The, the, the biggest thing I, I should, I could say, is the. Uh, everything is moving very fast because there's several reasons about it. Because of course, there's a, a communication difference. You know, people are in the outside of China still uh, communicating work stuff through their emails, and in China, everything's in WeChat. You know, as a real-time kind of messengers. You know, people just just reply everything fast. And another another reasons uh, for everything is moving faster is because uh, what Tinko said. You know, other artists, the top-level artists, are, uh, have the full control of. Uh, all aspects of their art rights. And also this actually leads to a lot of uh, creativity, creativities in the promotions and a lot of other things, you know, because they control everything in their hands. So they can do a lot of things, you know, which in the West is controlled by different companies. And it, it goes through a very long process to get approved everything, you know, this is also the reason why everything, even the, the taste or the demands of the the audience is also moving very fast. You know, people um, getting interested in one thing and disinteresting interest just uh, disappeared very quickly. So uh, not all the, the, the artists really need to like move fast, make fast decision, decisions and be very creative in China. So, so that speed of, of decision-making is not necessarily because they're forced to move that quickly. It's because they can, because they, they have complete control and they can do what they want when they want. It, yes, it's yeah. they can, so they move fast, and now there's demands, and you need to. Great. Okay, that's good. Um, perhaps at this point, Tinko, I'm going to come back to you and say, from that sort of personal overview, perhaps you can explain what Kanjan does for the benefit of people watching, and how that perhaps the business of, of what Kanjan is in China is how it works in the Chinese context compared to perhaps somewhere else in the world. 
Well, thanks. Um, I'll get back to that in a second. I just wanted to add something about uh, communication and WeChat and uh, something we were talking about uh, earlier in the office today, actually. Um, the fact that, um, uh, and this is, this is that um, socio-cultural uh, perspective that I think is uh, slightly different here. It would be extremely um, difficult to get personal the direct uh, messaging app or, or phone numbers with your colleagues. But in, um, in the office, given that the communication goes through WeChat, and I'm talking about the regular WeChat, not the most of the time it um, goes through the regular WeChat, not the corporate edition, the business edition. Um, that basically gives you a, a direct private access to pretty much any of your colleagues. So um, we have nearly 100 people within the, the team um, um, around the different um, offices. But um, we, it's, it's extremely um, easy to communicate at um, 8 in the evening or 11 in the evening um, about business. And uh, just to give you an idea of how this affects business and opportunities and that decision making we're talking about, um, in, a in, a, in a regular environment where you have um, a chain of emails that may be seen over a few days, um, that basically requires five to 10 people within the office to exchange uh, uh, a handful of messages spending less than a minute each and within a few hours a decision is made and uh, an opportunity can be acted upon or a plan can be made or adjusted. This is the kind of uh, real-time communication that you get, which blurs the, the the personal space with the professional space. I mean, I, in, a, in, in that sense, this affects um, definitely the process. I see, yeah. Um, and then in, in the sense of, uh, let's talk about Kanjan for a moment then. What, what does Kanjan do and, and how does that, how does it work in the context of the Chinese market? As a, as a general um, understanding, Kanjan is a music service company. We provide the full 360 um, spectrum of the services available within the industry, everything from distribution, publishing, from um, live booking, um, business consulting, and uh, arts and label services, dedicated um, marketing promotions, and uh, um, including artist management um, to the extent that uh, artist management within the context of China um, uh, for international um, artists. And um, how, this, how does this work with, uh, within the context of China? It has to be a 360. Um, it's, very, it's, it's very difficult to focus on uh, one particular niche and uh, expect for uh, the business to be sustainable or to grow. And it's not possible. And we'll talk about this, I guess, um, later in the in the um, conversation. That um, the the opportunities that come with that 360 um, coverage. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, let's 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 move on to that um, that discussion then of uh, a, a sort of a comparison, if you like. So one of the most interesting parts of the of the uh, the Kanjian page, which was describing the Chinese music industry for people outside of China, was was a part which sort of does a side-by-side -side comparison. You've already mentioned a few of the key differences about being able to have um, close control over your rights and of your work and, and, and how, it, how uh, things can move quickly because of those controls and decentralization and things like that. Um, so we're, we're looking really here at the, the, the China approach versus the traditional approach. And obviously the different approaches work in different markets in different ways. But what we want to understand is 
what that approach is in China and, and perhaps what the benefits of it are. And then we'll bring in and, and, and your recommendations of how people from outside of China can plug in to that and, and, and utilize it to its best extent. Uh, I, I picked out a few of the key ideas here. And one that really stood out to me was you said that uh, in China, you need to have a long-term vision through diversified assets and a portfolio across multiple industries, which you've just mentioned, Tinko, versus a sort of what Yutan mentioned, which was a, a, a shorter-term vision through a licensing monetization approach, which is a very broad way of looking at, at the difference between the markets. Um, tell me, uh, perhaps, uh, uh, who would like to start? Perhaps we'll start with you again, Tinko, and we'll go around again and go by Jane. Um, what is this idea of diversifying your, as, an, as a brand, as an artist brand, diversifying your assets and portfolio across multiple industries. What, what, how does that work actually in China? What does that mean? Well, we, obviously we, we try to, with, um, with that comparison on the website, we try to generalize and provide a sort of a bird view um, understanding rather than a specific mm. case. And it would depend between artists and between brands, um, whether it's a label or a music company. The, the idea is that, again, in China, for me, I'm, I'm going I'll, to I'll, I'll try something very uh, a bit more generic, and then maybe Yutong and Jane yes. can uh, add a little bit more details. The, chi the Chinese um, entertainment in industry is very uh, celebrity-driven, very much celebrity-driven. It's, uh, it's that perception of the idols um, that... Um, that drives it, that moves and uh, moves forward and progresses the business, makes the business tick. Um, somebody in our company um, three years ago told me many of the people that go to concerts, we're talking about thousands of people that go to concerts, they don't go to listen to the music, they go to see their idol. And that understanding that gives you an idea of what we're talking about here. Um, it's... Um, it's that be, being able to cross um, from music to TV or um, the film industry, um, maybe fashion. You have this is this is what's um, what's the um, the intent behind this diversification. You do not stick to just being a music artist. It's not possible to appeal to um, as many people if you are just a music artist. I think. Um, We've, uh, we've been um, looking at um, certain examples to, to make them a bit more comprehensible and a bit more easy to understand um, earlier today. And I think uh, maybe Yutong and Jane um, can um, uh, jump in with, uh, with an example or um, yeah, just add yes. a little bit more about this, um, these, the, the artists, artists like Jackson Wong or um, um, Luhan. Jane, um, Yutong, maybe? Um, Do you want to yeah. start with Jackson? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also wanted to add up to the fact that I feel like the musicians' boundaries, the artists, like, yeah, the musician boundaries here in China for an artist, they kind of like a little bit faded because the musician is not only musician. He or she are not only doing music. Music is just like part of the bigger portfolio, which is um, acting or modeling or... Yeah, it can be like designing um, a lot of things. And uh, yeah, as we mentioned, Jackson Wang, he's a pretty good example of doing all of those sorts of things, um, you know, being a model and act. And uh, recently he launched his new 
um, creative agency, which is um, like design, clothing design, uh, creative solutions. Um, like there's a pop-up store, which which is now which is advertised on all of the um, platforms, you know, like ticketing platforms or um, or like um, shopping apps. So um, so yes, it's um, the artist here is really involved into so many other activities, which definitely helps him or her to target a um, you know like the. The, the people within different interests or genres or activities and kind of like engage those people into into this conversation, like fan artist conversation. Do these, when we talk about artists, we're talking about musical artists as, as, the, as the sort of center point here, but do people, yeah. do, they, do they generally start as musicians and then spread out as actors and models or do they start as a model and come and then add being a musician to their portfolio or is it everything? Um, I would can, let Yu Tong yeah. answer this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There could, could be both ways. Some, some, some of them starting their career as musicians. There's a very interesting case, you know, the, he started his career like this. Is like, uh, there's a guy uh, called Joker. Uh, not jo uh, yeah, and Joker Xue. And he, is, he started his career as a musician, as a singer. And he uh, released several viral tracks and uh, very hit track, tracks like 10 years, 15 years ago. And uh, a kind of... Uh, uh, faded away from the pop, the, the public size, and uh, then what brings him back is because he's attending a lot of comedian shows, comedian reality shows. He's acting sure. like a comedian. He's he attending these shows. He never sing, never you know, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of uh, announce or tell people that I have new music or or say that he is a musician. And he he just gradually become getting back into the into the public and then he started his he, he get back to the music music industry again now he is like a very successful top level musicians again and wow. uh, and just adding on what what James and was was uh was a little uh, in addition to uh, in, with some you know uh, uh, western artists as the as the uh, examples for for you guys to understand it mm -hmm. uh, more easier it's like uh, uh Almost, I can say that all popular international artists in China uh, is not popular only because of its his or her music. There is something else who is what is attracting the the Chinese artists' interests. For example, Cardi B is a very recent one who goes viral and her track getting to the chart. This is purely because she is posting a lot of funny videos and talking about how success the Chinese government is doing for coronavirus and uh, stuff like that, and she. Uh, get onto the trending on the Weibo, which is the Chinese version of Twitter, you know, the trends. And then she she get the she she get the attractions and interest from the public and public start to stream her music. And uh, she is not only the music musicians, but also kind of a personalities or celebrities in China now. And this is the same applies to other uh, artists in China as well. There's something else other than the music. And so crossover and uh, other stuff is very important in the Chinese music industry. Yeah. If, um, if you have these, well, we'll call them artists, but we, we, we're talking about them as kind of multifaceted brands. If these artists are, let's say they're, you know, they're, they're a model, they're a personality, they're a singer, they're a TV actor. Where is, is it, is it wrong? Is it sort of, is it the wrong way to think about it to say, well, where do people connect with them? on a, a daily basis do they, are they is it is it is it uh how, how do they where's their first point of connection with these artists because if they're doing things which make them popular they've got to broadcast that somewhere so how do how do the public generally connect with these people whether they're musicians or actors or whatever 
Currently and previously, like recent 10 years, it's mainly TV shows and uh, internet TV shows. Internet TV show is very big in China because uh, pe young people started to stop watching cable TV and just, just uh, only watching those kind of internet uh, TV shows like Netflix, Chinese version, Netflix, Aichi, Tencent, Tencent videos. And uh, uh, what, I, what I just mentioned, Joe Kershaw, he, he comes from this kind of international, uh, internet, internet TV shows, a comedian, like funny uh, TV reality shows. And this is uh, uh, before and now and in the future, I guess, uh, Douyin, these are short video platforms. A lot of uh, artists is doing parodies videos or challenge videos, trying to show the face outside of the music to the, to the, to the, to the fans. Also connect with the fans like in the daily basis. And Douyin is, is very similar to TikTok, right? Is, is a, is a yes, it's exactly the same, yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, right, okay, great. Um, uh, so, with with that in mind, then the other thing you were talking about is once you have this, well, perhaps I'll go, perhaps actually I'll put at this point I will bring in Hen because uh, and and Patrick because they've been sitting there very patiently while I've been asking all these questions about this interesting stuff. So Hen, let's start with you. Uh, you work with CD Baby. You're working with artists and in a distribution sense, which from is is perhaps a little bit more focused in the music industry in terms of how you approach it. But you're essentially build, um, interested in a lot of the similar things, which is taking an artist, growth, and reaching people. How often do you deal with artists who are as multifaceted as what we've just discussed? You know, actors, artists, models, you know, slash, slash, slash. Rarely. Rarely. <laughs> Very rarely. But but also, I think that's very much to do with the, with the kind of segment of the market that I work in being very very independent focus and DIY is that they haven't quite gotten to the point of their careers yet where they can diversify because there's not enough of a team available, I guess. Um, but we we have amazing team members all around the world. So we have a guy who I think is on called Keith, who's based in Singapore, that does a lot of work with our artists, obviously specifically focused towards the, the Asian markets and help kind of build release strategies with them and, uh, you know, advice both, both domestic or regional artists, but also are acts that fit or the uh, international acts that want to move into the Asian market. So I know that he works um, very hard kind of trying to get a lot of these, the, these type of clients that you guys are describing is very much something that he focuses on it, it, within that region. Why, why do you think that, um... I know you, you deal with a specific area of the industry, but what, what, you know, we just heard from from Tinko, Yutong, and Jane that this is the the normal approach to you know musicians are a lot of things. That's quite different to the market perhaps we're used to here in Europe and in North America. I'm going to ask you a difficult question now, which is uh, why? Because I think we have per personal opinion, but I think. Yes. Uh, in this part of the world, we have a long history of the music industry and we have um, not, not saying that other regions don't, but I think that we, I think we have a very specific. Because of being established. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think we have this idea that might be a bit romanticized mm. in terms of what a musician's career should look like. You know, if you're a rock band or a punk band, you're supposed to go through all these different steps of your career to, to get to the end point. Um, and these are that these ideas are kind of ingrained in people before they even get going. That it's very difficult to to 
to stop and look outside and draw in inspiration from other regions where, you know, they they've, might have looked at established Western methods and thinking and gone, cool, but let's elevate this, you know, Let, let's diversify yeah. and make it a completely different experience. And I, I, I think that's a big part, part of it. Right. Thanks, uh, Hen. Patrick, um, oops, I'm sorry, I just dropped something noisy on the floor. Uh, Patrick, um, you, uh, amongst other things, you are SVP of Digital Strategy at Music Ally, but amongst other things, you, you work very closely with artists in artist development, career development, branding, all those kind of things that um, are required to grow an artist in terms of, and, and to communicate. What, what Do you think that, two questions, and I'll give you the first one first, would you like to work with an artist that is, has that multifaceted um, approach, is an, is an artist, is a model, is a designer, and is a musician. What, do you have experience of working with artists like that? And what are the advantages? Sure. Um, I mean, actually, especially as a trend, uh, for lack of a better word, given the current global climate um, of what's been going on, um, I'm finding more and more artist managers that I speak to around the world um, actually suddenly approaching things in that matter. So, um, you know, in a way, maybe China's been leading the way in, in this mm. idea of having, you know, a multifaceted career. Um, because especially now that, you know, we still in most countries in the world don't have live back, which was obviously a big part of our industry. Um, I'm finding more and more people that want to have an artist that is diversified, whether that's being able to write and produce, but also able to dance, able to entertain. Um, it's actually become, I think, far more attractive to have lots of facets. So um, I actually find it quite inspiring that the sort of the, the Chinese model is is different. And I think there's there's a lot to be said as well for everything. I mean, Tinko and I've been working together for a while, and I have to say in the beginning, it was a lot of what he was saying, just I couldn't understand it. And bless him for being patient to keep understanding because there's a <laughs> level of understanding. Um, and I think that there's 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 a lot we can learn from each other. And actually, I think that some of these shifts are actually taking place over in our markets as well as we've kind of dealt with this global crisis. Hmm. Um, let's perhaps take a couple of questions from the audience then. We have a few. Uh, Patrick, do you, any, any that have caught your eye in particular? Um, I mean, we've got, we've, we've basically got two uh, that have come through. Um, we'll go with uh, this one first is um, within China. And again, this is sort of kind of in the diversifying uh, sector. So here we've been looking at since COVID, um, there's been an influx of musicians onto Twitch, for instance. Um, and a lot more people are saying, what else can we do in the gaming sector? So just wondering, uh, hopefully a question out to, to our wonderful uh, Music Ally China partners. Um, yeah, what, what, is, what are the opportunities of, of gaming and uh, how does that work in China is, if it's any different than it, than it is in the, uh, the West? Who would like to would take, that like one? To take that one? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, uh, as, as we were talking about, you know, the, the, the musicians are building up their other kind of uh, business or characters. There's certain musicians in China, especially in the EDM field, they are they're building their, their character in the e-gaming, e-sports or gaming kind of uh, uh, areas. They are musicians, but also uh, very heavy enthusiasts of e-sports. They, they live streaming their e-sports every day, every week. I don't say every day, but they, they regularly do that. And, uh, you know, e-sports, people who are, who are very... Uh, 
who likes esports have specific, you know, in, in China, they're, they're mostly EDM listeners, especially those Chinese local EDM listeners. So there are certain artists who are all taking this advantage and putting themselves into that areas to kind of cross over themselves to attracting more, uh, more audience. Uh, just, yeah, and uh, just coming back to, I just, just want, to, want to say about the reason why in China artists need to have different uh, kind, of, uh, kind of characters, not only musicians, but doing all the, also other stuff, is because the music exploring behavior, I think, is pretty different from in the West. Because in the, in the West, you know, all the labels are talking about when, when new music is dropped, you, you cares about uh, New Mix Friday, uh, spot on Spotify is very important, but in China, people intend. Uh, people are actually most of the Chinese people still are not used to like listening to new music every day on certain playlists. So people okay. need some external drivers to hear this kind of music. Kind of uh, force you to hear it several times and several times uh, without your. Uh, kind of you, you notice, and you are not. You don't mean to listen to it, but you heard it, and it feels pretty good. Then you start to stream it. So this is the reason why it's so important for the artists to have some external stuff, other stuff to kind of uh, to express or to show their music to the to the crowds. Okay. On social and, and, media. And, and, yeah, yeah. So so they they find these the, the areas that work for them could be gaming, could be anything, and and they yes. they generate attention there, and and, and then it transitions yeah. across to standard yeah. stream. Music uh, consumption. Do you do you find Yutong then that um, an artist has all these different components of their career, but they have one area that is perhaps their main area? So that you, if if you're rooted in gaming music, you will always kind of be that will be a big part of the business for you. Y yes, this is some some a lot of uh, actually there's some uh, quite a quite a few of our Chinese artists who are facing this kind of problem they are sticking in the community and they are still they are using the same kind of strategies to 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 approach you know when they are trying to find the the demographic and the the behavior of their targeting our audience and they find the overlap part uh, for example EDM they find out the EDM players all like uh, the esports players likes EDMs so they overlap to the EDM then when they Look at the EDMs, how the EDM fans, you know, act their behaviors. Then they find another overlapping part and get crossover to that part. They kind Jane, of uh, constantly crossing over. Yeah, I see. Okay, great, thanks, Jane. A question for you, um, which someone has posted in the chat, uh, which uh, I've just spotted, and it, I think this is kind of a, a symptomatic uh, question, perhaps, of a lot of people from outside of China will look in, and they'll say, "We're used to having artists." Taylor Swift, who is a music artist, and that's what they are. How does anybody have the time to be a music, a music artist that's a superstar and an actor and someone producing all this short form video and perhaps a fashion designer? We see that to an extent. You know, we see lots of musicians occasionally launching fashion labels or something, but how does that work? It, it sounds to some people, I think, that how can you even do this? How is it feasibly possible? Um, well, the way I see it, uh, I think there is a team behind the artist and that's why each Chinese idol has like Team Wang, his, 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 you know, his team is called Team Wang. And then there is um, um, like another guys who are using lab or, or headquarter or, you know, there's, there is like, and um, 
it's like a label, but it's not really a label, as I just mentioned about Jackson Wang, because there's there's way more than that they're doing. So I think it's really about like having your own your company, and then the artist is like the CEO of the company that is that is moving and the driving the whole you know the, the whole uh, group together. Um, uh, yeah. If I, Great. Good. If thanks. I may jump in. Um, if yes. you if you allow me, um, Jensen, uh, Jay mentioned um, Jackson Wong. I mean, uh, really, when we're talking about being multifaceted, we're not talking about ten different faces. We're talking about maybe two, three, um, the key ones. Of course, you want it to be everywhere. And something, um, something um, again, we've been talking about in the office. Um, it's. Uh, uh, usually, uh, an international artist, when they get invited to a TV show um, or radio show or anything else, they would they would try to figure out whether that matches their their identity, their um, artist uh, artist authentic, uh, whether whether they will be perceived as still um, that authentic artist versus uh, being a trade off, and that that kind of consideration doesn't exist in China. As long as as long as it brings you more fans and more uh, wider audience, then uh, that's that's somewhere that that engagement you take, you get on uh, you you jump on that opportunity and you do that um, TV show or radio show, um, whether it's an interview, and uh, specifically and uh, you know to, to, um, talking about artists of that level, um, A-list artists Chinese. I remember just before Christmas we were talking about one of those artists. And he had he had maybe for the next six or seven months planned at least two activities per day. Um, talking about international artists, how how many of them would have the time to be all these things? Well, I'm talking about Chinese artists having at least two professional appointments a day for the next six months. Right. Whether it's a TV show, an interview, live gig, but brand endorsement. Yeah. Sorry, just to jump in, like this isn't a new thing in the West either, though. Like, I, yeah, we, like Western female artists. I think maybe specifically female solo artists have been juggling a lot of these responsibilities, being fashion designers and actresses, and artists, mm. or even in, within the hip hop world, is not necessarily such a new a new thing. But I think from from kind of a Western perspective, it happens in the top one percent maybe or half a percent or something it's not something that we focus on until you get to that point for, mm -hmm. for me at least that that feels like a big difference it's a good point it's, it's more normalized in, in, across the, across the board in china perhaps um patrick uh, that's a, um, sorry sorry that's a very, sorry, very yes, valid point um um handmade there it's um this is my personal perspective on um uh, th those um elite the elite that top level of artists what happens is, is usually you, you achieve that um, status, you get there, and then you start diversifying. Then you start bringing your um, cosmetics brand or fashion brand. Whereas in China, in order to achieve that status, you need to have these diversifi this diversification done as part of the process. Right. I mean, so that's that's a good overview there, really, of, of, of the understanding or initial understanding, at least, of how artists are in China in terms of what works in that framework. We've obviously got an audience here of people watching from around the world, and we're interested, you know, and they're looking at China and saying, wow, this is a really exciting market. They're seeing the, the, how it works. They're seeing opportunities. 
uh, they're seeing this huge audience. How then, um, perhaps for, for one of the, the team uh, at Kanjian, what, what works when uh, an artist from outside of China comes to China and is successful? How, how, how does that work? How do people take an artist from outside? What do they have to change bring them to the Chinese market in a, in a successful way. Can I can I uh, just jump in with that just to set our friends at Kanjin up because I've been asking this question for quite some time uh, since we've been working together. Um, and I'll kind of try to tie in one of the chat questions, which is kind of what is the size for the UK uh, alternative or electronic acts in China? Um, how can those UK Indian alternative acts break into China? I mean, I'm, these are the questions I know that these guys get all the time. Um, like you keep saying that they have to be an idol or a pop act, but how are they going to make it? How are they going to market? And I just remember a conversation when we first started working with, with Kanjin um, and Tenko again, being very patient, but trying to explain that things are different. And we often look at, I think, Western-wise, um, of the, the words emerging markets, um, which, you know, there are emerging markets out there. And it's this idea of how do we go in, dominate these emerging markets, we'll be number one on Spotify there, we'll go and do this. Uh, and actually realizing that, that China is not sort of emerging in any way, shape, or form. It's actually one of the most established markets. Um, and when, when Tinko actually put it back to me, and I will let them talk more about this because they get, and that is what a lot of our audience wants to know of like, how do I quickly break China? What are the two things I need to do to go boom, boom, and be huge in China? And Tinko, I think one of the best things he actually explained to me was this, he goes, if I said to you, how does a Chinese artist become number one in America? I go, oh, well, they, they're going to need to tour there. They're going to have to do TV. They're going to have to have all these. And it, I think that was the, the first connection between us in a way of like, you see what I'm saying? Like, there is no just, hey, Chinese artists import to America, number one. It's, you've got to invest in the market. And I think that's the thing. And also all this nuance that, that they're talking about right now um, is how it works. So this idea of, yeah, yeah, but how do I bypass all that and yeah. just sort of do what I'm doing in my territory? Um, and I, yes, I would love Kanjin to, because I know you guys get these questions all the time. How do you do it, Tinko? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, just to, just to get back to, to Patrick on that one, I think it, um, I remember um, he said something shortly after, and not, um, yeah, maybe, maybe just, before, just before the whole coronavirus thing started, he mentioned something about um, it's not an easy job to get um, to reach out to a billion people, and it's not a cheap thing, didn't you? That's for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, having said that, um, that example about uh, breaking a Chinese artist in the um, in the states um, is a is a very good example. Uh, any anyone who would be looking at uh, BTS and uh, what preceded, what did they do before um, really uh, becoming a success in the states, um, they can understand what really goes into um, breaking a completely different market. But um, I think I think. Uh, um, Yutong maybe uh, can add um, in a in a in a in a bit um, maybe an example maybe a bit uh, more details. Uh, what what we think is um, the, the the starting point the starting point is is a long term vision. You cannot expect to um, thinking about a Russian DJ or um, or a German uh, as as uh, there was as was the question about. Uh, UK um, alternative electronic mm. music. UK going to the States is easy because it's the same language. But how would a Russian electronic music artist go to the States and uh, try to break speaking Russian? Uh, mm. Posting 
what is relevant for them in, in Russia. It's, it's not possible. You need to be able to speak the language, whether it's um, through an interpreter and by means of a team, local team, or you actually can speak the language, um, that definitely opens quite a lot of doors. And then it's keep pushing, keep investing. In China, the main, the main issue Western acts are facing is not competition from other Western acts, it's the competition from the Chinese acts. Because uh, these people, uh, especially the ones that are um, making, um, making really good money, they are uh, putting uh, lots of that money back into the, into the uh, business and into developing their own brand. And uh, there's only so many artists people can uh, listen to um, in China. So it's uh, consider thinking about this. The competition is is much um, much fear, more fierce than you would be anywhere else. Um, you need to to set up all your um, social media and you start um, building that. When I'm talking about social media, social media is just one part. Of course, I'm talking about developing that multifaceted. Um, area of your brand shortens the time. Thinking about how long it would it would take if Patrick and I start a, a, a band to, tomorrow, how long would it take us to to to, to uh, get into the charts, provided we have some good songwriters? How long would it take us to get there? How long would it take us to, to fill up a stadium? Um, it's a long journey. And in China, actually, the opportunity is much... Um, uh, much bigger if you diversify because you have an, the option to reach out to to much wider audience in a in a much shorter time. Um, but the, the the rules of the game are pretty much um, the same. It's just a matter of investment, whether it's resources, whether it's people, whether it's time, whether it's money directly um, putting money into 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 this, and um, and. Um, yeah, building building the brand. It's not much different than anywhere else. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, just a uh, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Yutong, I just want to bring you in here to to, to talk about it because you've obviously deal. You were saying earlier you deal with international artists, you deal with um, homegrown artists in China, and one of the things we've discussed is about how artists need to make these multiple touch points for different yes. parts of society and community. How do how would an outside artist, outside artist outside of China? It's clear that if they want to have success in China, they have to invest in people, they have to invest in resources and time, because uh, it, it, it's a huge, complicated market. What do those touch points look like for an outside, for, for for an artist coming from outside of China into China? What what would what are the what where would they connect with with Chinese society? Um. First of all, definitely is uh, what Tinko just said, social media. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's several successful cases already. Uh, recently, uh, other than Cardi B, you know, Cardi B is mainly because he is already, she is a pretty famous in the United States already. And there's uh, some uh, heavy core international music fans who already likes her and starting to repost all those funny stuff in, on, the, on the Weibo and becomes, becomes viral. This is one point to, to show the world that the, other than the music, what you are looking like, you know, give them the external kind of drivers to the, to the streams. Other stuff is that you, you, you own your own social media and you are showing what you, you got outside uh, music uh, to to provide that that kind of tools. Uh, the, the, 
the recent case, as an example, is Choi Sivan. He 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 is just uh, posting a lot of stuff on Weibo. I think he's posted even probably more than more than on, on Twitter or Facebook. He's just post a lot of stuff like uh, normal afternoon, just uh, selfie videos saying that oh the weather is so good. Just kind of uh, showing the stuff, you know, tr uh, triggering people like you know. Uh, from the social media, then to the music. This is very important. Another another way I think it's a very kind of uh, a fast and this kind of uh, process is that collaborations. Uh, because I, what I what we mentioned that crossover, the mechanics is always the same, even for the international artists. It's always always the same. You need to break into other people's fan base so that you you, you get more offenses. So if you can collaborate with the Chinese local artists. And uh, then you, your music is automatically being heard by that that finder groups, and it's it's a, it's a very quick you know way to 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 tackle to to get into the market. I, look what I, and BDS did in the United States. BDS just collaborate with a lot of you know top level artists. Uh, recently, uh, even the Blackpink, you know, recently she did a song. Uh, they yeah. did a song with uh, Serena Gomez, you know, and uh, so normally you know, without these collaborations, you know, it will be just. The chance would be little for for Blackpink, a Korean uh, idol groups, to break into the American people and being heard by American audience. But with Serena Gomez, it just become becomes you know very reasonable and easy to to, to penetrate mm. that kind of market. So this is, I think, these two ways are the very important okay. and very quick ways to to break into the market. And um, we've got a good question just popping up in uh, the uh, in the questions. And before we come to that, Patrick, because it is a good one, Jane, I want to I want to include you because I realise you've been left out here. So maybe quickly, when an when an when an international artist comes to you, uh, Jane at Kanjan, and says, "Right, I want to be successful," and you say, "Okay, here's what you have to do," and you explain all this, what is their response generally? Uh, the artist response or our yeah. response. Uh, the, the artist response. response when you when you when you explain all this. Um, just before I jump into the question, I wanted to add a little bit on the previous question that Tinko uh, and Tong mentioned. Sure. Um, just want to say like a very um, um, kind of obvious I think thing is the the biggest challenge is, is uh, overcoming the cultural gap, uh, obviously. And uh, I think it's very important for the artists, uh, international artists, to be relatable to Chinese audience. Like think uh, what um, like why the girl in China can, you know, can like me or be interested in me uh, and um, like uh, be kind of trying to be um, related to the Chinese culture. For example, from pra practical point of view, the, the social media posts from the artists that has something to do with China, like touring in China or Chinese food or uh, saying happy Chinese New Year are always gathered the most of the engagement, uh, you know, rather than just uh, simple. Uh, simple things about touring yeah. or just regular things. And um, yeah, coming back to the answers uh, from the artists. Um, well, um, like we're trying definitely to educate the, the, the clients and the artists that we're talking about, uh, tell them the, the market is very different. And uh, uh, the, the most common reaction that I see is that um, there's very high expectations from very short period of time. Uh, so from one release or two releases, I feel like the artists expect uh, a lot without knowing the market and knowing that things don't 
work that in the same way, or uh, sometimes it's very difficult to predict the return on investment or the expectations, mm. just because it's, um, it's, it's difficult because of the short time with one release, there's um, not many things can happen, like given that the artist is um, not very big in China and uh, outside of China. How uh, do, do you ever say to them, look, you need to invest this much time. You need to give it at least this many months. Uh, yeah, definitely. We like we we say that you know we it must be at least one year with uh, like one or one release per one two month and uh, doing you know uh, promotion around that doing some activities within China like collaboration or participating in other uh, Chinese projects that companies here are doing. Yeah. So, so, so they need to understand that they need to. It's not just something they can do as a sort of on the side. They have to really focus and 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 get yeah. stuff for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah correct. Like, okay. yeah, and have good. full attention. It's good, good. It's good to be upfront with that. That's important. Mm -hmm. Patrick, we have some. We've had a, as always is the case with ten minutes to go. All we get a flood of questions. So let's go through them. And just just with that that last point though, I just wanted to, to back that up. And as Tenko said about you know what does it take to, to reach uh, a billion people, um, they also as they've as you've explained back to me as well though that investment like the amount that, that people actually get paid for a television performance in China I think is one of the conversations we had is you're not understanding that there's big money to be had but there's also a big investment to reach it. And I think that's a very important thing. One thing that hasn't actually come up uh, today that we often, often I think, find in the West is slightly different uh, and understanding the difference. And it is, of course, we have influencers uh, around here. Um, and that has certainly become something that's become much more buzzworthy. But of course, in China, you have key opinion leaders. And I was just wondering if you all could explain a little bit about um, how, what key opinion leaders are in China and how that differs from an influencer and how that can actually be really important um, for an artist to be able to break into the Chinese market or be successful there. Who would yeah, like to so, be our key opinion leader, opinion leader? Yes, okay, you talk, yes. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. The key, uh, the when artists is try is kind of pay paying this kind of like KOLs, they don't pay for single ones. They they pay series of KOLs like twenty or thirty. They forms kind of a like a, a spread chain so that it makes sure everyone see it several times. And it's not only because you know when when the artists just come into the markets and uh, there are followers on social media, there's very little followers, so their content is not penetrating everyone. So they need these KOLs to spread out the words. Some in you know, a lot of times I can see that you know those artists even they 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 not they, they are not only paying for their music contents, they even paying for paying for KOLs to repost on their normal daily life contents or whatever their love affair or even gossips. This kind of stuff, you know, in order to show everyone that I have different stuff other than the music, right. and uh, I'm so attractive in the personal personalities or whatever. This kind of yes. So, so it's really building again, building out that multifaceted. Yes, KOL uh, is playing a very big role in building out the whole character. And after KOL, you know, posting this kind of stuff, and according to what their followers are, pro are commenting, and they were changing their kind of directions as well. And just just give some context for people who aren't familiar with the key opinion leaders KOLs. How many followers do these kind of KOLs have? There's also levels like there's starting from several hundred k's to several hundred to to several millions, 
even as there's there's someone like twenty million, there's there's KOLs like like that as well. Okay, that's 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 some influence. Yeah. If, uh, if just, I may just, add, sorry. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Just uh, yeah, ladies first. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I'll be quick. I uh, just want to say that coming back to the point where we were uh, comparing East and West, uh, KOLs are actually the legitimate uh, media sources and outlets yeah. here. Uh, it's, um, you know, uh, well-established music magazines in the West here don't have the same authority as the KOL. KOL. So um, if you want to to promote your music, you would be like, as an artist, we suggest to target more chaos rather than doing like press releases campaign or getting in touch with media. Yeah, right. That's it. Pretty much what that I is. wanted to say as well. Um, there is uh, those chaos act as media channels rather than really influencers. And um, uh, it, the, the intent, well, sorry, the audience, they know that these chaos are getting paid whether it's through an agency or by the artist directly, still, that there's nothing wrong with that. And they consume whatever is being blasted at them. The, the audience consumes um, that content. And if the, then the music comes relevant. If the music is good, if the music sticks, then they will listen to that music and they will follow that artist. So they don't mind, they, they understand the framework. They don't mind. They just, if, if they like it, they like it. And they're happy with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Patrick, do we have any more questions you want to bring in? Or well, one just came in that I actually would really like to get an opinion on um, from some of our key opinion leaders here uh, at Music Ally China. Um, given the current global uh, climate and particularly the country that I'm from, um, with some, uh, some very anti-TikTok rhetoric coming from the guy at the top, I think you guys are probably aware of what's been going on in the United States of America. Um, have you noticed actually within China, is that having any impact on the Chinese's audience? I mean, it, it, are you hearing those stories about what's going on there? And is there any, is there any actual uh, within China reaction to this kind of um, TikTok gate, as I'll call it? Yutong? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you passed you pass that on quickly, Tinker. Go, right, go right ahead. Sorry, uh, I, I want to know. Yeah. The, the news, everyone knows the news. The news is constantly being reported on the, on, the, on the TV like every day, like the latest updates of the what U.S. courts say and what Trump said and every, every day. But uh, I don't think it, it actually, it actually, I think, affect uh, TikTok or Douyin in a, in a very positive way because people are starting to, to, to more people know it and more people use it instead of just young people. So it's, it's right. uh, definitely not negative. Yeah. So it's it, it, it's 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 a sort of because the doing is so this has such a big user base and is such a big yeah. part of communication, it's yeah. just a sort of side issue really to what's going on. Yeah. Um, Hen, let me ask you a question because uh, you've been so patiently and I appreciate that. Um, when you hear all this, we're, we're dealing with a very very different. Uh, in, in I would say I say we. I'm talking about us here in in, in Europe. Suddenly, looking at a very very changed music business landscape. And we're looking at a, a, a situation where this old way of working of like you have releasing here and you have touring here and that's it, essentially. And now people are looking and saying, well, we need to have, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, and some people in the chat have mentioned, they're talking to managers and managers are saying, my artist needs to have this income stream from doing this and this income stream from releasing music and this income stream from being a, a model actor, whatever, and or, or whatever, different areas uh, using different platforms. It's easy to see that in China, 
this is already happening. These multiple income streams, these multiple touch points. Well, we talked about this a bit before on the TV show. What would you recommend to artists that you're working with about developing those opportunities in, in other areas to, to make a bigger brand for themselves? As in, as in diversify what they're doing in terms yes. of becoming a fashion brand. I think, I think you always your key starting point should be within your own circle, right? And like un understand the, the space that you're operating within and may maybe it makes sense for you to, to move more into fashion when it comes to kind of merch or, or uh, try to get more opportunities within acting, modeling, whatever. And I think, I think a lot of artists are doing it, but I also think look at the, the kind of companies in the West that you're collaborating with, because I think there's a lot of companies in the West that are trying much more so to, to apply that, that thinking that, that these guys are explaining mm. from the West in terms of, you know, having that artistic freedom and artists retaining their rights and staying within an ecosystem of companies. Like we, you know, we do that. We have, yeah. The, like starting from the CD Baby points and moving kind of through the ecosystem of like Fuga and Dashgo and Downtown Music Publishing and Song like we have all these different facets where we can comfortably comfortably be a partner for an artist throughout their careers and I think as an artist I would be looking at not obviously not just us but ideally <laughs> but like look at those kind of companies and what they can offer you in terms of support in diversifying because as these guys have been saying this requires a team it's very difficult for you as a single DIY artist yeah. with no manager to be able to do this but also lean into your local industry because they've got the connections so like independent trade organizations or department for international trade they organize trade trips you know mm -hmm. they have the connections in the chinese market i know that tinko and and, and jane have been working on launching at like an aim or a to am equivalent in china take advantage of those networks and try to learn um, hen you you obviously you work with artists with all sorts of different uh, agreements but you work with a lot of artists who and this goes back to what we first talked about have a lot of control over their rights and a lot of control over their work, which is in 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 the UK and Europe is is a, still a relatively new phenomenon. Um, do, do you think then that these, as you look forward now into this quite changed music landscape, those artists who have retained control and as they look forward are going to have a, a, a rich set of opportunities coming their way because they can collaborate with anybody. They can they can look outside the existing system, collaborate with any brand, any platform. And if they're innovative, if they've got control, they can make it work. Which is like one of the first things, I think Yutong said right at the beginning, yeah. speed at which you can pivot when you're in control of everything yourself. You know, if you in with if you within this massive ecosystem where the emails have to go back and forth and up and down for weeks on end for a simple decision to be made, opportunities can be lost. Whereas if you are in control and you have a network around you of of industry partners and people that you work with that that are on not on your side but that understand your vision, you you as a brand you can pivot much quicker and take these opportunities and develop much faster which i think is super super mm. interesting and also it's pretty fun to work with artists because they want to work with you not because they have to work with you i just have to say <laughs> that like it's really rewarding 
Yeah, good, good. Well, look, I mean, I, I would be very happy to keep this conversation going for a long time, but uh, I'm aware that we've been talking for an hour and that uh, for Tinko, uh, Yutong and Jane, uh, it's now 9 p.m. And uh, look, I want to let them go out and uh, do whatever they're going to do on Friday night. So um, let's, with the, with the spirit of that in mind, um, let's wrap things up. Um, Tinko, perhaps we can start with you and we'll go around to, to Jane and then Yutong. If you could give um, the the world outside China, one really key piece of advice for, for understanding and engaging with China. I know this is a big question, but what would that one thing be? Tinker, let's start with you. Yes, um, I'd say I, for me, that would be act now because um, nice. yes, as in there's a, a we, we, we've, we have a, a monitoring um, how a, international A-list artists are performing in China. And um, quite a few of them are kind of on the same level, but quite a lot of them haven't really paid any attention to China. And uh, I, wouldn't, I, I would say that they're, they're kind of lost in, um, in, in between the millions of artists that, that are now in China, international artists, which actually opens the door for a lot of those um, musicians and artists that are mid-level to, to top-level artists. We have within our catalog artists that are making pretty much, um, well, they can live off, let's put it this way, they can live off the, the revenue they generate from within China alone. And mm. these are names you've never heard, very unlikely you've heard outside China. We have these artists within our catalog. and. Uh, Granted, they're not um, hundreds of thousands, but that's where we are heading. And uh, there's going to be, um, over the next few years, those who act, they will be um, able to carve a niche for themselves in, in this huge market. And we all know what's the potential. The Tencent numbers are the uh, paying subscribers numbers from the recent report are showing that it's going forward. It's going into the desired direction. And uh, within the next three to five years, that window of opportunity of artists um, anywhere from startup artists to, to A-list artists will close. My, my suggestion is act now. Get uh, focus on China and act now. You need to focus on China. That's that's a clear a clear suggestion, and uh, I'll do you a favor here, uh, Tinko. I've put the link to Kanjan in the chat. So if uh, if if you want to connect with Tinko to help you out with that focus, you can you can contact them there. Uh, Jane, um, so you know, act now, act fast. What else? What would you tell someone about engaging with China as a, as a basic, um, simple rule? Uh, I'm gonna add to you know to Tinko definitely act now and uh, uh, try to try to be like try to be engaged with the Chinese audience, with the Chinese culture, try to be relatable, try to find those, you know, those bits and pieces that you're fascinated about the country, the culture, and uh, um, yeah, like try to be present within the market, with the collaborations, with the different ex activities, events that are happening here that are, you know, different companies are, 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 are doing online right now, since the touring is not a thing at the moment, unfortunately, um, yeah, be active in China. Great. And you, Tom, what, what, what do you tell people? Uh, I think uh, what I think is um, nothing is irrelevant towards success. 
you need to catch all the opportunities, whatever. In the first opinion, you think it's not relevant to my music genre, to, to, to my character, to what I like, as a, what, what is my music. But all opportunities can connect into your success in the music career in China. So um, nothing is irrelevant. Great, great. Uh, Patrick. Yes. Uh, uh, when you when you you're operating outside, I'm going to ask Ken the same thing. You're operating outside of China. You look at China as a, as a place of opportunity. What what excites you the most? Um, leaning on people I trust. Um, and you know we've been developing a relationship with Kenjin for for a while now. And as I've said, it's been a learning process for me. But having people that you can trust on the ground to help you to understand um, has been has been really eye-opening and I'm starting to understand and see the opportunities and thank you for being patient with me. Um, and that said, the more that we understand here at Music Ally, um, do get in touch with us. Uh, this is our partners at, at Music Ally China as part of Kanjin um, and we would love to, to be doing more to help, um, to help cro uh, cross this conversation. We've been working real hard on it to understand each other and we would love to share that knowledge with the rest of the world. Yeah, and Patrick shared some email uh, addresses in the chat, digital at musicanalyte.com. Uh, you can get in touch and, and uh, approach about anything like this. And it's clear that you need to engage with China a team. You need a team on the ground. That is absolutely uh, my biggest takeaway from this uh, to connect. Uh, Hen, you were talking earlier about, you know, at CD Baby, you have this uh, very internationalized uh, and layered uh, team. Well, when you look at uh, the, the, the China market, what, what really interests you about the future there? The, the the vastness the the I think the cultural difference really fascinates me and and absolutely at which the speed but I think I think for me working in the indie sector and kind of always have have done that that ability to to as we talked about before retaining your rights and having a completely uh, having a, a career where you we where you are in control um, throughout the whole mm. process and and that you can do that from start to finish. I think that's really, really fascinating. And, you know, when you look at the market shares of the three majors that we know in the West and they collectively, they have less than 20% market share. I, you know, I think that is a really fascinating statistic for us, you know, to, to mm. make us understand what happens in that marketplace and that you need to think differently and you need to, you need to educate yourself and you need to have trusted mm. partners as all of you guys have said. Yeah, and, and who better to do that with than uh, Music Ally, CD Baby, and Kanjan, of course. Uh, so uh, uh, finally, let's wrap things up. Um, uh, Tinko, Jane, Yutong, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's been a really, really fascinating and uh, incredibly enlightening and educational uh, hour. And uh, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how, would they, how is the best way for them to do that? Yes, through our website, kanjan.com. And um, or just... Uh, uh, customer at kenjen.com. Yeah, and and you're keen to hear from 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 anybody around the world. Clearly, um, we work Hen, with businesses yeah. and individual artists Great. alike. Good, good. Well, like I say, as we've said, act fast, act, act now. Uh, Hen, uh, well, you can act fast and act now. How how do people get in touch with you at uh, you particularly at uh, CD Baby? So um, email uk at cdbaby and that will come to me. But I also just wanted to say that resource on the Kanjan website that, mm. that explain, like gives a brief overview of the Chinese music market is so fascinating. So if you have any interest, you should check that out. It's really, really good. 
Sorry. I will, I will, no, no, you're absolutely right. I will reshare that in the chat now before everyone leaves. Uh, and Patrick, uh, same question to you. If people want to engage, you mentioned about you know collaboration with China, uh, learning more and understanding. Uh, how do they get in touch with you and, and, and what, what are the ways of doing it? Yeah, well, obviously, musically.com. Make sure you're subscribed and sign up. Go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, follow, like, all of those wonderful things. Or digital at musically.com will get through to us and uh, hopefully we can help. Excellent, of course. So, uh, thank you all very, very much. Uh, we've we've had a, 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 an enjoyably international session from Shanghai to London to Berlin, uh, where I am. Uh, so that's all uh, been very pleasing to see everything work. And uh, what we're hoping is that this will be the first of uh, relatively regular sessions. Maybe we'll do another one of these in. Um, three months or so, and we can focus on another element of China, because as we've identified, uh, we could talk about this all day, but we're not, because I'm going to let uh, the people who uh, for whom it's nighttime leave now and, and get on with their lives. So thank you, Tinko, Jane, and Yutong. Thank you ever so much for joining us from Shanghai. Hen, thank you for joining us from CD Baby uh, in uh, the UK. And Patrick, uh, on a boat in uh, London, uh, thank you for joining us as always. Thank you. No, no, it's, it's very kind of you, Patrick. Uh, and uh, please, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we will email you um, for the uh, details of the next show, uh, which will be coming up very soon. And don't forget Sandbox Summit Global happening uh, in the uh, towards the end of September 21st to 25th, sandboxsummitglobal.com. I've been Joe Sparrow here in Berlin. Happy Friday, everybody, and see you soon. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Goodbye.